Hello and welcome to Yagmoth Soap Opera, Episode 70. Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. I am your regular co-host, Zach, a.k.a. Abstract66, and I'm here with our normal co-host, Andy, a.k.a. Montolio, and Josh, a.k.a. Cronin. How's it going, guys? Good, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Andy, how is the uh, Canadian weather? Oh, it's doing fantastic. We've got three feet of snow down here. Getting ready to go ice skating tomorrow morning. Woo! That's exciting. Things are good. Nice. So uh, what do we got to talk about this week, guys? Looks like we had another weekend of firing a couple uh, daily events. And we've also got uh, our second place finisher for QT1, Chris Cool, in the spotlight today. Very cool. And uh, hopefully we can also hit on ways to hate on Affinity, which seems to be dominating right now, as we're going to see later in the show. So uh, yep. we'll spend a little bit of time going over sideboard and possible main deck options. It was a disturbing trend in the dailies this weekend. It, yeah, that's scary. What happened in the dailies this weekend? Well, we fired the Friday night event, and uh, we also fired the Saturday night event, and came close uh, Saturday morning as well as Sunday morning. So seems like people are pretty into... Uh, playing Classic right now and possibly getting ready for the next QT, which will be starting in a few days here. The 27th is the deadline to get decks in for that, so I don't know if this is a telling sign of what everyone's going to be bringing in, but it's interesting. I hope to God not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to affect my metagaming for this event. Uh, I plan on joining. Are you both joining? Yep. Absolutely. So uh, there's always a lot of competition in these things. You'll see there's good players, good decks, and there's also, you know, the chance to get the unique deck every once in a while, like uh, Planet Walls showed us last event. So, What happened this week, guys? Kuribo? Kuribo! Did he win both events? Kuribo 4-0. Wow, look at that. So what was he running, Josh? Well, looks like he is the first of our affinity players. Looks fairly traditional. Um, we were seeing some uh, different tech out of the wolf, but it looks like this is is pretty similar to what we were used to seeing during the winter events. Yeah, lots of little guys. Really, just a deck that builds. You know, it builds off the synergy of all the creatures, skull clamp, and it just you know overwhelms you quickly. No matter what you do. I mean, even Oath isn't really fast enough to beat this thing sometimes. He's got the quad laser of dismembers in the sideboard. Yep. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Well, I mean, it looks terrible, but... <laughs> what do you think, Andy? Yeah, it's just a run-of-the-mill Infinity deck. It's, uh... He He's running the four dismembers, as you say, which are pretty good. This is a, something that he uses to remove Kataki's off the board. I watched one of his replays the other night and I was pretty sure he was cooked with a resolved Kataki on the board and shot an instant dismember at it and that was that right there. So pretty pretty efficient deck. This thing's a killer. Scary stuff, scary stuff. And uh, coming in second we had uh, Boyne who's uh, definitely known to be a good player. He monies in a lot of different formats and 
He took uh, Merfolk to three and one, and this looks like a, a pretty, I guess what I'd call traditional build. It has the waterfront bouncer and phantasmal image in it, but otherwise the deck is pretty much a carbon copy of every other uh, Merfolk variant out there. It's got the five land destroys with the strip mine and the uh, wasteland, and four Moot of Vault, thirteen islands, and, and the rest of the deck's pretty stock. So it's got a pretty interesting sideboard with four submerges. Yeah, that's definitely different. I, who who runs forests? I guess Oath. Yeah, or uh, a lot of the fish variants. The fish variants, I suppose. But like Energy Flux seems seems like he should have had a pretty good game against Affinity. It seems like his um, submerges would still serve so little purpose, even if it's against. Uh, the, the fish decks. Just because going straight up, I think Merfolk always has the inherent advantage there. Don't you think? Right. Exactly. Usually it's used against Tarmogoyf in Legacy, and I don't we don't really see that card a lot right now. And and really Submerge is a card we never see, so it's definitely worth pointing out. I wonder what his experience with was with it, you know, what if he'd do it again. Yeah. We get down a couple desk, deck lists down to Bald Eagle there. He's a guy that's running um, quite a quite a green-based creature deck, so you'd have some game against that. But yeah, Zach, I agree with you. Submerge is not a card that seems to be uh, overly efficient in Classic right now. Yeah. Who we uh, who we got next, Andy? We have got another Affinity player who's been in the money quite a bit recently, the Wolf 2, and he is running pretty stock Affinity build here. Minus the uh, the tech with the four tangle wires that we talked about extensively last week, and, uh, yeah, he's he's doing pretty well with this. Yeah, it looks like he went up to four from two, so it's he's liking him. It's interesting. He's only running two steel overseers and uh, three Phyrexian revokers, so I guess he's cutting from that area to make room for the tangle wires. Yeah, he is. You look at Curable's list, and he's running four of each of those, so that's where he's skimming. But it seems to be working for him. Yeah, Anglewire just locks you down once he drops a few creatures onto the board. And man, those Caracases, one on the side and one in the main, are so devastating against Oath builds. It's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and they can sit around and block a couple Blight Steel hits yep. with as many creatures as they throw out there. Exactly. So up next, we mentioned Bald Eagle 247 went 3 and 1. And looks like a. Uh, looks like a sort of a four color fish deck. It's got Dark Confidants and Noble Hierarchs and Tarmogoyfs and Trigons and Jailers and such. I'm. Pretty surprised they went three and one with this deck. Not necessarily because it's a bad deck, but because Force of Will doesn't look like it fits. It doesn't look like it's either fit nor supported. So it, it, it's it's the blue in this deck is not very prevalent, especially on the creature base. All you really have is the trigons to pitch to it. So like I, I wonder how. Yeah, it's that's that's not enough. I mean, it's simply not enough, in my opinion. If you're going to like do the math on it, it's it's really bad because you're typically going to be throwing away one of the cards. Like, I hate throwing away Mental Misstep to Force of Will because you can almost always use Mental Misstep by itself, and it's a one for one. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So a lot of his blue stuff he wouldn't want to throw away anyway. I mean, of course, the spell pierces are probably, you know, if you don't have the mana to pay for it, I'm happy to throw those away. But, like, Brainstorm and Mental Misstep both are a big, big, big deal in Classic. Yeah, I guess it just gives him a little bit of game against, uh, like, some really quick combo-ish play that he couldn't beat otherwise. You know, like an early early resolve tinker or something like that would just do him in. But, like, the other thing is he's running the four Dark Confidants, and that makes, like, one bad card in the entire deck for him to draw into, and it's just another strike against Force of Will, you know? Yeah. Nothing else is close. Yeah. Definitely hurts. I, I don't know. If I ever drew that with a Dark Confidant, I'd feel just, like, terrible. <laughs> Not as bad as drawing Blightsteel. Agree, but that's almost that's almost a, a calculated risk. You know what I mean? A single yeah. one. It's true. Well, so, regardless, Bald Eagles walked this thing into the money for the last two weeks in a row, so it's got to be doing something right for them. Yeah, I, I like the abrupt abrupt decays in the sideboard. It, it who was it? Was that you, Josh? You said you had a lot of a lot of game with it when you played. Uh, Andy played with that the other oh, Andy other week. Yeah. I watched a couple of the replays, and it looked pretty darn impressive. Nice. It just hits so many different things. I actually played against Bald Eagle with that deck, my uh, green-white-black hate deck, and I was running three main deck abrupt decays, and they were just, you know, you take a look at his deck base, it hits every single creature in his deck, which was uh, which was awesome, as well as hitting, like, built-up Quirion Dryads, and, yeah, it's... Does a lot. Takes out Ose, takes out Vault Key, and Trigger. You just can't counter it. So, you know, much like a mental misstep when that first came in, you know, there was a lot of questions as to whether that was going to be good. Take a look at all the one casters that thing can hit. It's no different for Abrupt Decay. You know, three casting or left hits an awful lot of targets in Classic. So it'll be interesting to see if how big a play this card gets. Yeah, it, I think his sideboard actually looks pretty good. It's uh, it's hitting a lot of fronts. I don't think it has enough dredge hate, but everything else looks really cool. I bet you he's got those explosives in there specifically for affinity. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, well, I mean, I guess they could be used for oath too or for something. Affinity. Like that. There's a lot of things that wouldn't hit in affinity. Well, that's true, but it's uh, it can hit lot, the one dude. or two casters. It, no, it hits almost everything except for what? Frogmite? I suppose. Lodestone, Frogmite. Lodestone. But, I mean, yeah. Everything else is definitely a target. Genesis Chamber, Skull Clamp, stupid zero one one guys you can't block. <laughs> yeah, I hate those. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they don't do damage to you on their own. Yeah, they're so gentle. <laughs> so next up we have this chump. Who's this guy? Never seen him before. Uh, Coronan. Went uh, 3-1, it looks like, with some ridiculous list. <laughs> looks like a mixture of Painter Servant with Grindstone and Helm of Obedience with Leyline and Rest in Peace. Looks pretty sweet, really. In a long time since we've still seen a build like this get into the money. It has so first we've seen with uh, um, what's the uh, the new card called? Not uh, the ley line. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. First time we've seen that played. Yeah, it worked out well for me. 
What uh, were your matchups like? It was really grindy. I lost to Affinity round one. Oh. He, uh, yeah, he had a lot of revokers, so wasn't very good for me. Um, then I played Lord Sapphire. He was on his stacks list with trading posts and stuff like that, and that was a really grindy match where he went, he knocked me down to zero permanence for a while with with smokestack, and he had three null rods out in game two that I had to fight through before I could combo out. <laughs> but uh, managed to get through that, and then played against Fist Alpha, I think, with his Bant fish list. He had, like, Serenities and Trigons and stuff. And Was that the Shardless Agent build? Yeah, so he Shardless Agent cascaded into a Serenity at one point. <laughs> and I pyroblasted a Trigon that got me for a little while. And uh, then he cast another Serenity while I had a Leyline on the board, but I was able to sneak a, a Helm with one mana up through right before it went off and mill him out. Nice. And then round four was against a, a show-and-tell reanimator list. And I opened with Leyline both games, which just completely shut him down. Um, and I had a grindstone out that I was using naturally, just had him down to about 30 cards both games, and he he tried to show-and-tell me in game one, and I dropped a, a helm with the show-and-tell and milled him, <laughs> rather than risk getting it countered. So. Yeah. I don't think twice about doing that again. Yeah. I was Nicely done, Josh. Very nice. You going to run this list, Zach? I might give it a shot. I don't have some of the cards, so I'd have to buy them, but it looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. You know, it doesn't matter what I play. I can win. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the modest hour on Yogmoth Soap Opera. <laughs> so next up, 4-0 again, as mentioned. We got Kurabo with the same affinity list, so we'll give him a slow clap and uh, move on to the next one. Uh, good job going 4-0 twice. It's not an easy task. Uh, who we got next? We got God Mode Magic, 3-1. and and he is actually running a little bit of a unique affinity build here, something that we don't see too often in Classic. Maybe back in the old days where we were seeing four cranial platings, and he's actually running four Master of Ethereums in his deck. He's got one Berserk, and the old Springleaf drums in there, and uh, the rest is pretty traditional stuff, but he's able to take that to the money. It's a, it's a nice-looking build. I'd imagine getting hit with a cranial plating... Uh, with a berserk on it is good game. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, that's interesting. Just a oops I win card I guess he's got in there. No way yeah. to search it up, but And he also actually has the old the disciple vault combo in there with the the Ravagers. Yep. Yeah, he's got Disciple the Vault, Master of Ethereum, uh, Tinker. A lot of cards you don't traditionally see in these in these uh, affinity builds. And he runs the artifact lands to turn on his affinity quicker. Which is interesting. I think that weakens your mana base a little bit. Yeah, he doesn't have the two mana lands that we're used to in the other builds. Ancient tombs and such. Or like wastelands. Oh, and with 
you're playing with cranial plating, you have to have those lands in there. Yeah, and he's only got 14 lands. Yeah, he does have a couple spring leaf drums. Add some padding there, but yeah, he's cheating definitely on the land. Such old gas. I, I've played this guy in the tournament practice room a couple times with this build, and yeah, it's it's a pretty good deck. I mean, affinity just in any form can just win. So, and the master of Ethereums are quite strong. You get one of those things down, gives everything plus one plus one, all those creatures, and the actual master gets plus one plus one for each artifact in play. So, pretty good card. Yeah, it looks good. Well done, God Mode Magic. Congratulations. So up next, we have a deck that looks like it's the same deck that I played against from that we spoke about from the other event. Uh, Lord Sapphire going 3-1 with his Smokestack build. And, uh, yeah, it, this deck is just basically meant to lock you down and blow up everything you've got before taking over the game. Guess those trading posts are still doing some work for him. He's running three in this build. And Chalice main deck. It's a little no. interesting. <clears throat> okay, this is getting old now. Fourth plays, three and one, Affinity. Oh, you're kidding. Affinity again, eh? Surprise, surprise. What do they play in Affinity? <laughs> I mean, this guy has the, the, I guess, the uber traditional build. Yep. He's even he's even running more than one metamorph and uh, some revokers. So, good job. Sad to see this deck doing so well, though. He ran this in the first qualifier tournament, didn't he? I think he was one of the few affinity players. Yep. Zach played him. Oh yeah, I did. And how'd that go for you? I got lucky. <laughs> I think I played him too in lots. Well, that's typical, but I played him too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Last up, we've got Lucindo, name I haven't seen around the queues really, and he's got a uh, Delver Snapcaster deck with some Dark Confidants and um, Vault Key combo and. I like the, the stifle. Yeah. yeah. That's a card that we haven't seen a lot of in Classic for a while now. How worth it is that when you get to stop an early Skull Clamp activation or something? It's just so... Stifle's such a mean card. It really Particularly is. Particularly in Snapcasters. Yeah, he effectively runs... You know what's kind of hilarious? Times. I was watching a game one time where this guy was playing against Good Game Oath and... Uh, Dude had him dead to rights, but he oathed up a blight steel with dragon's breath, and he stifled the dragon's breath and swung the next turn for the win. I was like, "Oh damn!" Why didn't he just stifle the oath trigger? Well, whatever. He stifled the dragon's breath, so it was almost better. <laughs> he knew he had it, Josh. Living Seriously. on the edge. What, what, what's he gonna oath in that can be that can win there if he has lethal? Besides, you know, if you know you're running dragon's breath build. I would have to say you'd have to watch out for Elish Norn. <laughs> oh, Elish Norn's a good one, yeah. That would suck. Uh, next up, he's running Lightning Bolts. What, I mean, is this, I guess this is three colors then, huh? I thought it was just black-blue at first. And green, yeah. holy crap. 
Well, a couple main deck natures claims. Living on the edge. Um, kind of cool. Nice to see this deck do. I, I wouldn't expect this deck to do well in an Infinity metagame, but I guess it did. Yeah, I don't know. He can. Yeah, I agree. He can't. It's not like he can just quickly win with his Bolt Key combo because he can't search them up. That's what's kind of weird. Yeah, he, he does have four main deck bolts though. I can take a chunk out of a affinity if they're moving. Not they have a bit of a slow start. Well, Josh has a point. It's really weird to see Vault Key played over Vampiric and Demonic in a deck like this. You just have to naturally draw both of them. Yeah, that is a little peculiar because there's no Tinker either. Well, that stands to reason a bit. Yeah, but I mean. There's just no, no way to find them. I guess you'd search through your deck pretty quickly with their confidant, but... Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem good. I don't suppose he won too many games with that combo. Probably not. Anyway... Nicely done, Lucindo. Yeah, definitely. Three and one's never something to shake a stick at. You know, it's money. Um, so, you know, kind of continuing on the topic we were discussing, which is the utter dominance of affinity right now which seems you know feels weird to say uh josh myself and andy were discussing some uh anti-affinity cards that you could run and uh you guys want to get us started on a couple of options and why they're probably good in the current metagame so you've got a couple tiers of options um one for wanting with affinity is not very good so those are going to be worse options for you, but they're good against a regular stacks deck. But then you really want things like Serenity or Energy Flux or Kataki. Those are those are, those are the three best best choices. Without a doubt. You know, some other things that you you know that have global type effects are null rods and stony silence as those shut off Ravagers, they shut off the skull clamps. It's uh, another tax you can take, but the three Josh named, I think, are the best approach right now to Affinity. What about Herkel? The problem with Herkel's is it comes back so quickly. Yeah. That's you the know, thing the about Affinity, stacks build, Yeah, regular stacks is playing one, maybe two cards in a turn, whereas Affinity will just replay all seven cards you bounce. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. It's terrible. So then you've obviously got some side applications with cards like Lightning Bolt or Nature's Claim or... Even something like a Fire Spout is really good against Affinity because it takes out their most powerful creature in, in Lodestone. It, it won't get a Ravager There's stuff on the table already, but... Well, the problem, though, with, with uh, Fire Spout typically is Steel Freaking Overseer. Yeah, you gotta well, get. I guess it depends at what point in the game you're getting your fire spout. If there's a, you know, an overseer that's been on the board active for a couple turns, yeah, fire spout's not gonna touch it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and kind of the, the ubiquitous card when you hear the color red in a sideboard is really an ancient grudge. And I think that's one of the few one for one cards that's actually pretty good there because you actually get two for one out of it. Yeah, it's okay. It's still not going to... They can fight through an Ancient Grudge. 
They can fight Absolutely. through it, but getting a Genesis Chamber and a Skull Clamp, or two Skull Clamps, or whatever it is, is typically a pretty good investment. Yeah, I also just pray to never see both a Genesis Chamber and a Skull Clamp out there. <laughs> yeah. Because you might be dead already. Well, I have taken beatings from Affinity more than probably anyone on the face of this earth, and the one card that I cannot, I just cringe when I see it hit the table, is Skull Clamp and Affinity. It just meant that is the card that makes the deck extremely unfair. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. so many little one ones that, you know, you just get your Skull Clamp on there and you're drawing two cards and you do that once or twice and you're in an absolutely dominant position regardless of what archetype you're playing. So, I think the key is shutting that card down and it, it makes the deck a lot more fair to fight through. So, looking at cards like Ancient Grudge, it does give you a fighting chance when you're shooting those things down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's multiple other one-for-ones that you know, are, as you said, Josh, aren't efficient against Affinity, but, you know, Abrupt Decay is a new card that's come in that's very good. Uh, we'll, we'll kill a Ravager, pretty much anything in the deck minus the Lodestone Golem. You know, STPs are good, Path Exiles. Yeah, things, I mean, you're still going to leave all those things in to hit them, and then you just have to hope to get one of your actual board sweepers. Yeah. That or have an active trigon on the board or something to kill their big guys, but <clears throat> so it's yeah, easy. And while, yeah. Well, while we're that, on the topic, what kind of creatures could somebody run there? I mean, we mentioned Kataki, but uh, I think before the show, I, I was talking about how I kind of feel like I'm going to run. Uh, well, I won't talk about what I'm going to run just because uh, secret tech. I don't want to throw it out there, but there's a lot of creatures you can run. Like, Trigon's a really popular option as far as, you know, attacking uh, Affinity player. It not only blocks signal pass, but when you're ready to gain advantage, all you got to do is swing it over. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, but even three drop is quite often. You're just so, so far behind by the time you get down to turn three. I mean, unless you have a turn one high arc or something like that to put it out on turn two, you're already way behind the game quite often with Trigon, I would think. Yeah, it, I gotta admit, it, it, it has never done for me what you hear, like, the way you hear Vintage players talking about it. You know, they're like, oh, Trigon, so good, because they always have mocks in them, whatever to get to. But in Classic, I, although I think it's a good option and the fact is solid, I kind of have to agree with you on it's, it's a little bit, you know, being a three drop, and even though it's coming in for two a turn and being a flyer, it's just a little underwhelming. Yeah, I don't know if it's enough to just take one artifact from Affinity a turn, and it's hard to cast against a regular stacks deck, so it's always, it's it's good if you can get it down against things, but yeah. you know, Kataki's gonna probably be your your number one creature option there, I think. Yeah, the only way that you'll be foiled against Affinity with Kataki on the board, and it's the same premise against Stacks as well, was if they have a Tolarian Academy on the table, which of course just nullifies the, uh, the Kataki. Yep. Need a Wasteland. Yeah. And I mean, the same premise also goes over to cards like Quasali Pride Mage. It's it's much better against a traditional you know, Metal Worker Stacks build than it is against something like Affinity. It's another card that is good, but not quite good enough. What about uh, Tabernacle? 
Very good. I like that card. It's got applicability outside of just dredge or um, affinity as well. It hits cards like decks like dredge, other fish decks. Yep. I think if you're not running a huge complement of creatures, Tabernacle is a really good option for you. I like yeah. Tabernacle, and at the same time, I've never like loved playing it because it's like giving them a time walk to an extent. I understand it, you know, you bring it in in the good matchups for it, but still, it's like you lose a turn, so it's like, Meh. yeah. I always played it in a in the back to basic stack I was running for a while, <laughs> and it was Where, pretty sweet uh, in that deck. <laughs> Where Tabernacle becomes bad is when you have a, a resolved Ravager on the table. Because they can, quite often, they can pay one or two mana to sack everything with their Ravager and they're beaten down with a big house. Yeah. And that's where your one to one things like Abrupt Decay and SDPs become good, but. Well, and the other card that they have that just totally nullifies uh, the Tabernacle is Guy's Cradle. Yeah. Yeah, and they can. Uh, I've seen it where they've sacked all their creatures and put all the tokens on a Mishra's factory. Factory. Yeah, that's rough beat too. So there's not a real foolproof method. Yeah. Yeah. In case you're at the listeners are wondering, we're setting out to just crush Affinity. We want that cockroach out of the meta. Says the Stacks player. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stacks just has a tough, tough time getting through Affinity. Yeah, Affinity's rough. I mean, maybe you should try the Tabernacle approach. Uh, I I run it in one of my Stacks builds in the sideboard. Yeah, Does, have you played? Have you played it against Affinity? Has it been effective? Uh, Actually, I don't think I actually have had a game against Affinity where I've gotten it on the table. I've had it out against Dredge before, and it was extremely effect- effective in that match. Definitely. Which is pretty much the same premise, so I would imagine it would be pretty good. But yeah, I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to battle it yet. I'm sure I'll get the chance with all the Affinity in the meta right now. I mean, if the if the price wasn't so restrictive, I would absolutely run a mode or two. I think mode. Is just it's like a nail in the coffin sometimes, except unless you're playing that disciple of the vault guy. Yeah, uh, I don't keep Orthop- ornithopter, so moat completely shuts the deck down. Yeah, yeah. I uh, had three copies in my board in the league, and it was very difficult to get up to four mana. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. It's I mean you do have a little bit of game. Um, I would probably, you know, be playing Swords to Plowshares if I'm playing white. Um, yeah. Probably blue if I'm playing it, so I have a little Snapcaster redundancy. So, I mean, you'd want to think that you have game and time to get it out, but I completely understand where you're coming from. I've, I've played with the freaking card before. It's hard. It's like a Jace sometimes. Jace always looks good unless you, like, just start getting beat down. You know your Jace is going to die and you have a limited clock. Yeah, Jace looks good until your third land gets wastelanded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the you hit the nail on the head. There is wasteland. You know, trying to get a moat down on the table. It's not just actually getting four mana on the table. It's to cast it. It's you know avoiding all the wastelands and strip mine effects to 
but most people aren't running that many basics. And if so, you open your your opening hand and you've got a moat and a soul ring and a couple lands, that's when you get hit with a revoker. When you're soul ring. Yeah, yeah, that's when that happens. I mean, look, dude, no, no joke. This is kind of like where the whole argument for the power nine comes in because the Mishra's uh, workshops are just so ridiculous. Competing with three mana on turn one in a fair matchup, the only way we we have outs are what, like crappy cards like Chrome Mox, or I don't want to say it's crappy, but Lotus Petal or something like that. That's the only way a traditional deck can compete with uh, Affinity or even really Stacks as far as speed goes. I mean, the, I, I think the Moxes have helped so much. Oh, that's not even debatable. I mean, of course it would help Affinity, too, but it's like, how much can you perfect that craft? You know what I mean? It's like, they already do what they do really well because of the workshops, not because they have cheap stuff. They already had cheap stuff. Yeah. The like, power makes the other decks stronger. Yeah. Stronger it, than with Affinity. It just lets you catch up. I mean, with six possible free drops with, uh, you know, five Moxes and the Lotus, I have I have dreams about a first-turn fetch Lotus Jace go. It just, oh... <laughs> we all dream about that one, Zach. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Um, I said that, though, in Vintage Stocks is an absolute powerhouse amongst all the, the Power 9. So, Yeah, Stacks is even more powerful with those cards. Well, a lot of Stacks builds aren't even running them all. Just run a couple, like Black Lotus and maybe one or two pieces of jewelry. Yeah, and, and typically the it's it's weird. It's kind of like uh, dredge with the dice roll because you guys want it so bad. You know, you just get that one first turn and you're like on it. Oh, it's huge! All of a sudden, those moxes don't mean as much with the trenosphere or a uh, chalice or a thorn or anything. <laughs> Take your pick. So, All right. Well, that's a few ways, hopefully some ideas for people coming into the league to fight what we think will probably be an affinity metagame. What would you guys guess for the number of number of affinity decks we'll see in the league this time? We'll each make our prediction. I'm saying eight. I think if you count the number of Delver decks from last event, it'll match. Okay, so like nine I think that was? Alright, I'll say six. And I say that because I think... You think you know six guys who are going to run it? Well, there are a few pieces that we just keep seeing over and over again. So maybe our... Maybe our minds are a bit tainted by the fact that the Wolf has moneyed in three of the last five events or so, and Kuribo won these two events, so... Maybe there aren't as many affinity decks as we think there are, but they're just doing really well. Yeah, it's kind of the same guys that are running it. But as we said earlier in the program, it's it's perhaps the cheapest deck that you can play right now in Classic. I mean, that would rival Dredge for sure for cheap cost. So the entry is a lot lower for people that are coming into the format and wanting to play in the league. Yeah, and the only the only issue is you have to buy... If, if you're thinking about coming in the league, by the way... Not that I want you to play uh, Affinity, but if you have to buy four of a card and you you know the lands are like scary, Gaia's Cradle, as cool as it is, isn't the must. The must is always Workshop. So if you get those four Workshops, you can make it work on a budget build. I know the uh, 
the guy's cradles are really expensive, but everything else is pretty attainable. Yep. My creatures are all like five cents other than the Ravagers, and those have come down a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still, you know, some some large cost on those decks. I mean, you have Wastelands and you have Talarian Academies as well, which are quite pricey, but, you know, the remainder of the deck is very cheap to buy. So, anyone that wants to get in, the 27th is the day. Saturday at uh, midnight. Yep. Looking forward to seeing you all in the tournament. And next up in the community spotlight, we have the one of the guys who was who was new to classic, uh, Chris Cool, over at MTGO Academy, and he, along with Planet Walls, just pretty much dominated the tournament from over there. So I imagine there will be some more MTGO Academy guys coming in to teach us a lesson. So Chris Cool is from Indianapolis, Indiana. And he said that he is a huge fan of the underexposed eternal formats, where the deck building gives you limited possibility, unlimited possibilities. And he likes Ender Falls articles on MTGO Academy. In case anyone's wondering, opening or unlocking the vault is that? That's the article series. I think that's right. Shameless advertising. Yeah. <laughs> well, for a clan mate. <laughs> Um, and wondering what he could play if he could play anything he wants to build something with dark rituals creatures that attack and spells that accumulate to induce headaches in the opposition he doesn't mind the card advantage, disadvantage of dark ritual when he can uh, turn one out of necropotence I think we all feel the same way about that it's always a good play it's weird though. You never see Necropotence. It's like it's way less played now than Channel is. I know. Yeah, it's it's very strange to have someone yeah. open on Dark Ritual Necro. For a card that was considered the best card of its time, it's pretty impressive. Well, maybe can tripping will bring it back. Um and we asked him what his favorite MTGO accomplishment was and he is proud of being involved in organizing and promoting 100-card Singleton. And uh, he recommends it to any Classic or Legacy players that uh, want to give a cool format a try. I've never played the format in my life. You know, I used to play that with uh, the Wild Dog. I know that yeah. was one of his favorites. And uh, it's pretty fun. Not going to lie. 100-card Singleton, it's... Uh, you know, you got to be in a certain mood for it, but it's 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 always it's it's interesting. It's you know what it feels like to me. It always feels like uh, I don't know if you guys played this long ago, but in uh, in old 2.0 there was a a Marari's Wake standard deck with like absorb and stuff like that. And every time I play, I typically like play with colors that are similar to those, so it always feels like I'm playing that deck like a really big version of it with a bunch of cool spells. You know, I don't know. It's it's a. It's I used a fun to love Mercury's Wake. That used to be a favorite card of mine. <clears throat> it's what? definitely one of those formats you could bring stuff like that out in, <laughs> where it's not quite good enough for extended or legacy. It's definitely good enough for hundred singleton. I'll have to take that for a spin sometime. All right. Well, 
I think that's all I've got. Anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? Oh, that's about it for me. Yeah, I think I'm good. Um, I just wanted to thank our host and sponsor, MT- PureMTGO.com and MTGOTraders.com. Um, and I'll see you guys in seven. All right, get your deck lists in. See you later. Uh, take it easy, guys.